Yo, your boy Uncle PJ is back, and it ain't from SoCal this time. This time we repping foggy old <laughs> London town. So get your tea oh and crumpets <laughs> and fucking hang. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, turn it up. No, no, <laughs> no way. Skin your peat like you thought he would. The same old shit since childhood. I hooked him on this brand new London beat. So sit back, relax, take a seat. I've got blues in my left ear and country on the right. <laughs> Ain't no waves, surfboards within my sight. Takes like guitar leads any day of the week. Over dinky ass riffs played by bitch ass geek. Got Keith, Charlie, Bill, and two or three mix. Rocking down hard with the 40 licks. Big Brian Wilson or Brian Jones. You know I pick BJ cause I like the stones. Danny died in the <laughs> ocean, Mr. Jones in a pool. Don't think they were accidents to be a fool. Little Christopher Robin, gone too soon to cope with this. I'll get a needle and spoon. Putting junk in our arms and rails up our noses. We got sticky fingers, ain't got sticky toes. If you don't fucking like it, then my gun is cocked. Just like Meredith Hunter at Altamont. <laughs> now, brothers and sisters, let's just all cool out. Don't know what all this yelling's about. Let's just all cool down and puff. For joint, nobody needs to be held up at knife point. Hanging in France with the boys in the basement. If any of them leave, then we've got replacements. Little Mick is out, Ronnie Donnie is in. We're all looking good, cause we're cocaine thin. Got my rhythm man Bill and his memory and babies. Even though he could pull some adult ladies, <laughs> has to put his wife in the back of a minivan. The one question I got is Bill, why, man? <laughs> Stinkers in the 80s and some in the 90s Get back to exile and blow my mind Please don't do solo albums, they tear up the bed Maybe Don was can lend a helping hand This has been the Stone Stubs with PJ and Pete Just finished up with the stones in the hot seat That's one more band we can put in the grave Now I'll see you on the other side of that wave I assume the horns are a nod to the Stones' reggae roots. The roots is a reggae oh, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, they are. Oh my God, PJ, that was I think same as the Beach Boys' uh, rap. That was an incredible fucking uh, beat. That was so good. <laughs> I mean, your rapping thank was amazing, but I was really impressed at the "Can't You Hear Me Knocking." Oh, um, thank you. Well, thank you, thank you. And so, so I appreciate that you went like year by year through their career. Um, <laughs> I yeah. want to hear. Let's go. I just I want to hear a couple lines just to make sure I heard correctly. Uh, okay. But down in down in about the Altamont era, there were some yeah. some things going on that I was hoping to to hear just just one more time. Um, putting junk in our arms and rails up our noses. Got sticky fingers, ain't got sticky toeses. Okay. If you don't fucking like it, then my gun is cocked, just like Meredith Hunter at Altamont. <laughs> um, brothers and sisters, let's okay. just all cool yeah. out. Yep. I don't know mm-hmm. what all this yelling's about. Let's just all cool down and puff a joint. Nobody needs to be held up at knife point. <laughs> you know what? It is. It has, first of all, it's just, it's incredible. Um, Thank you. And then second of all, it, it has to have the distinction of being the only hip hop song ever put on recorded media 
about the Rolling Stones, right? I mean, like, I can't even imagine. That can't be true. It, there's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, it I may bet, be the one that's almost exclusively about the Rolling Stones. I guess that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure people reference the Rolling Stones. In oh, they reference Mick Jagger music. like all the fucking time. Well, yeah, because he was the original rapper, PJ. We all know that's this. true. He invented hip hop. Um, kind of like Neil Young invented grunge. Um, I've heard that. And so, <laughs> and Brian Wilson invented Vampire Weekend. Um, <laughs> but it's wow. <laughs> we almost. You know, we almost made it 30 episodes without a rap about the Rolling Stones, and I'm glad that we didn't. I'll say You that. know, if if I'm going to let a, I'm going to peek behind the curtain here a little bit. Sure. I wrote most of that about let's see when I wrote that when I started it. Yeah, when's the first uh, save on that Google Doc? Uh, June. I wrote nice. it in June, and then I added a few more things cuz like I can make this more verses. Uh, another peek behind the curtain is the Wood Brothers actually produced that. So not the Wood the, Brothers, the Dust Brothers. The Dust Brothers. Shit. Yeah, that makes. I mean, I get it. It sounded like that. Like it's got kind of that, that vibe to it. Yeah. Um, a sample. Anyway, welcome yeah. to the Beach Boys, uh, the welcome, Rolling Stone Studs. <laughs> welcome to the Rolling Stone Studs, uh, for our final episode where we are ever going to address the band, the Rolling Stones, because I think they have scarred us at this point to the degree that even if. There's relevant info in future podcasts. I don't I don't even know if we could go back. Unless it's incredibly relevant. It's got to be incredibly relevant. Very much unlike the Beach Boys, um, who, you know what? Let's kick it off, PJ, with a little Beach Boys news. Oh. I don't actually know if this is the right song now that we're here. I don't think it okay. is, but... It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, what's... What's your Beach Boys news, PJ? So, in the works, there is a Brian Wilson documentary that he wow. is a big part of, it seems. Okay. Um, it is called, let me pull it up here. Let me get it real quick here. Um, Rip it, Carl. It's, it's called Long Promised Road. Ooh. It is um, about, uh, you Isn't know. Isn't that a Carl song? Yes. Odd. Um, okay. I mean, it's a good name, except that it's a song he didn't write. But okay. Anyway. Yeah. It's it's about um, I think a new album he has coming out, or one that came uh, out recently. Um, but he, yeah, he. It's about him being in the studio and like his whole life up to you know having a mental breakdown and all that shit. So very interesting. And he's apparently just very honest and open about it. Yeah. That'll be cool. I'm excited. Yeah. And what is your Beach Boys news, Pete? My Beach Boys news, PJ, this weekend, I was visiting the in-laws, the old Ugh. the old balls and chains, and uh, my father-in-law told me a little story about the Beach Boys that I thought you and every listener of ours would absolutely love to hear. So, my dad, or wait, my father-in-law's dad so my wife's grandpa was a bishop in the mormon church in southern california in the 70s um and like the way that works is that i think it's not super important but i think he was like kind of he oversaw a handful of churches in the area 
Um, I believe that is correct. Yeah, and people would come to him to, you know, whatever, ask advice, get get advice on how Jesus really talked to the Native Americans, you know, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so at one point in, like, the early 70s, like, early, or wait, no. Yeah, early, mid-70s, uh, a woman came to talk to him uh, because she was pregnant with a baby who was not the baby of her husband. Um, she said, apparently her husband, they weren't going to get a divorce, which is really the awful thing that could have happened. Uh, they weren't oh, yeah. going to get a divorce, but her husband was not comfortable raising some other man's baby. So could he help them out? So he like found someone else in a different church who was going to adopt it. This whole thing. Um, he, you know, helped them get the baby, scurry the baby away to uh, a loving Mormon home. Uh, so turns out according to legend <laughs> and by legend, I think she told him, I don't know. It's a little unclear. Cause everyone's like, I mean, it's just a rumor and it's like, well, yeah, but where did it come from? Oh, I know where this is going and I love the it. And I want to guess that she either had like an affair with or a one night stand and got pregnant from was a member of the beach boys. I think it was, I think it was the drummer. Who's the drummer? Was it the drummer? I think it was the drummer. And it's like, yeah, it's definitely the drummer. If it's any of the Beach Boys. <laughs> it's fucking Dennis. Popping out little Mormon bastard children. Holy shit. In like 1973 or something. And then That's awesome. what's even crazier, although my wife correctly was like, let's not bother this poor kid. But my, my father-in-law apparently is like friends with the kid on facebook like they like grew up in a church near them and he stayed in touch with him and they're both like not mormon anymore so they're like friends you know in that way basically um and so he was like i could message him i guess i'll just i'll message him and ask and shelby was like no i don't that's not maybe a great idea to message this kid and be like hey so who was your bastard dad again (laughs) wow but yeah does, it it, does he know? Really does this nuts. guy know this? That's what we were gonna message him to find out. Okay. Is that it's like like he he probably knows the rumor like he knows he was adopted, so he yeah. probably knows the rumor, but it's unclear whether he Yeah, whether there's any more substantiation than the mom just saying like this is who it was. It so. was Dennis Wilson. Um Yeah. I mean we could Did we did could he show you write a picture? to him and get a DNA test. We looked at pictures inconclusive. I would say. Okay. But, you know, okay. you, it's 50-50 between those genes, so you never know. I That's was really true. hoping he was just like a dead ringer, but not quite. Yeah. Not quite. Wow. So That's an amazing yeah, a, story. Now, a, I mean, I married into the family, but a family connection to the Beach Boys, so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a bad time to tell you that uh, my first last name was Love? <laughs> no, this is the perfect time. Sounds like oh, this okay. is when we bring it up. Yeah. So, oh man, Pretty that's great. awesome! Pretty a great. little Beach Boys Boys exclusive. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know, and makes me wish. <laughs> makes me wish Dennis was still alive and like on Twitter, so we could just tweet at him like, "Hey, Dennis, <laughs> I think I know. This, you. I think I know one of your kids. This your kid? Maybe yeah. we should just tweet at Brian Wilson and be like, "This your nephew?" Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Well. That's been wow. what passes for Beach Boys news and <laughs> on episode 30 of the Rolling Stone Studs. Maybe it's because I've had a beer or two 
But I'm really blown away by that story, it's, Pete. It's pretty crazy. What was funniest to me was the way in which her family talked about it. Because we were just sitting around, like, drinking coffee. And her dad... Wait. Oh, they're ex Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like half and half of her family. Yeah. But, so, and her dad was like, um, hey, you, what's your podcast about again? And I was like, oh, we're only stones. Yeah, but it's the Beach Boys, right? Well, yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go too deep into it. Yes, it's about the Beach Boys. Okay. Well, I have a, like, there's a crazy Beach Boys story. And then told me the story. And then, like, later on in the day when we were, like, with the whole family for, like, a, you know, family reunion basically my dad or her dad was just like pulling her grandpa and other people aside to be like okay like we really need to drill down on this because peter has a podcast (laughs) and then the the grandfather like standing like just very like sincerely trying to remember every detail of the story to tell me and then just yeah being like well i guess i guess it was the drummer yeah i think it was the drummer and you know looking at me like is that meaningful to you and being like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's fucking wild wow so yeah like yeah it was really really great that is crazy um just the nonchalantness they talk about it and it'd be great if that guy had no idea i know right oh yeah it would be i mean i could buy it because her family also has this crazy thing where one of her aunts had like a baby in high school and again mormon so she had to put it up for adoption um and like so she knew that there was a baby out there and the grandparents knew there was a baby out there but like no one else and then like some of her kids did when they were older but no one else did so then like at some point they did 23 and me and found this like other cousin and asked the mom and she's like well yeah and they're like well why did you never fucking tell us the guy's like 40 years old now and like and you know it was yeah crazy so wow yeah it's just crazy. like weird you know shit where it, for some reason even when she was like 50 it was not a thing she wanted to to share with the fam so huh you know, that's wild it is pretty wild those crazy mormons <laughs> i know <laughs> for being mormon they get up to a lot of shit i know well and you know the beach boys were big in utah that's right they were <laughs> That's kind of the thing is I'm like, I wonder, I don't know if we talked about it, about like why them being big in Utah. I remember that coming up, but I wonder if, because they were such a like clean cut, all American, like, you know, white teeth, white boys band. Yeah. I wonder if there was like a thing where it's like, this is rock music. My church kids can listen to. Oh, absolutely. That's what it was. And so this lady totally went to the concert and got knocked up by Dennis Wilson. (laughs) That's 100% what happened. Oh my god. It's pretty great. All right. Well, let's get back to the Rolling Stones. Welcome to the last episode of Welcome back to the last yeah, episode of the Rolling Stones. I promise there's does. Rolling Stones content. There is. Yeah. So the Rolling Stones, so we just we have what are called loose ends to wrap up here. Yeah. We have many things that we've either talked about on the podcast or talked about with each other that we we got to get to before we close the book on the Rolling Stones. We, we just got to get to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so where do we want to start? So we're going to talk about the best Keith song. We're going to talk about the best reggae song. And we're going to talk about some good Rolling Stones covers. And we're going to talk yeah. about our overall album ratings. Uh, and then our Which final did- thoughts on the Rolling Stones. 
Did you do the math already? Because yep. last time when we did it on the Beach Boys, because I did it on air and it took a oh, long time. Yeah. yeah, I did it already, and it does take a long time. Um, yeah. They have like, you know, 28 albums. So, um, so I mean, I think we'll definitely finish with the album ratings and our final thoughts, but do we want to maybe just get into some Keith songs up top? Yeah, let's do that. I think so. I mean, now's as good a time as any. Um, yeah. Well, first, let me ask you, how was... Yeah your rolling stones listening experience you mean over their career over their career yeah i mean it was mostly good (laughs) yeah i was i i went you know i recorded media or recorded evidence shows that i went back and forth on them a lot and was very skeptical about them almost the whole time i went through um but there was enough interesting stuff almost in every era of the stones that it kind of kept me interested really until the end um but even then then like voodoo lounge and bridges to babylon kind of got me intrigued again for a a minute there um just because they were both a return to form and then so crazy so overall i'm like I'm glad I did it, but it was a little like the Beach Boys felt like a. F- I mean, they were already one of my favorite bands, but it felt more like fun and cool, just like being a completionist on a band you like, and then really just knowing every song and album inside and out. Yeah, with the Stones, it's kind of cool that I've done that as well, but I'm. It's not like something I'm proud of as much, just because <laughs> there's like I'm not as into the Stones, and there's just a lot more like crappy stuff um or and like yeah i don't know it's it's just kind of a different thing okay how was your overall listening experience you know i it was good there was a lot of stuff where i was like you know this is not the stones i really love listening to um this is not the stones like I became a fan of and it was weird having to listen to like sometimes entire albums of that yeah where it was like yeah but um i think yeah i think they have enough redeeming stuff throughout their entire career where it's like it was interesting for sure there were some weeks where i wanted to fucking kill myself but yeah for the most part it was pretty good um would would you consider yourself a fan of the stones now i No. So Hmm. here's what I feel like my end feeling on the Stones is. I would not consider myself a fan just because at the end of the day, I really don't actually like that much of their music in general, which you don't have to love like an entire career of a band to be a fan of them. But right. Like when you really break it down, it's like parts of some of the albums that I really love. So it's not even like entire albums necessarily. Um, and I'm also just not a fan of them. Like as human beings, we've talked about this a few times with the stones where like, I really like emotionally and I feel like in like a human way, connect with the beach boys through their music. And I don't feel like I emotionally connect with the stones almost ever. Sometimes I do. But well, let me like between we'll, we'll hang out sometime and know. start doing a bunch of heroin. Yeah, yeah uh, right. Maybe we can like get to the, that between point. their lyrics and just their attitudes, either through music or in light. Like I just I don't connect with them. So 
it's hard to like be super into them. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the stones in general, but they have for sure made some of my favorite music now is what I would say, which I definitely would never have said before the pot, even like realizing some of their like greatest hits are some of the best songs, but I wouldn't have, I definitely wouldn't have counted any of their music as like some of my favorite music. Yeah. Well, so I would, I would say that that makes you a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a certain way, but like, yeah, not, you're not like a diehard fan. Yeah. Music conversation. They're never going to come up as a band that I'm like, if someone's like, what kind of music are you into? What do you like? Like, I might mention them as, like, just I like a lot of 70s rock, but I'm not going to be like, I'm really into the Stones. Right. That makes sense. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Did it make you more, less, or about the same as as much of a fan as you already were? I would say I'm probably a bigger fan of their music now because there was some stuff where I, like, uh... I had heard songs from the album or like, you know, their greatest hits or whatever, but then going through the album, like there were some that were really phenomenal. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm sure I had listened to sticky fingers all the way through before, but I don't remember the last time I had done that. And like, that was awesome. And like, I love exile. Um, and I think it made me appreciate it more. Like I knew the story behind it, but like everything surrounding it on either end of that was super interesting. So I think, I don't know, learning about it more, kind of going more in depth on it, I thought was really interesting. And there are some songs by the Stones where I am shocked they are in the decade they're in. Where I'm like, that, like, there's one from like the mid-60s that I always thought was like an early 80s Stones song. I don't remember what it is off the top right now. Yeah. But it's kind of weird chronicling because, like, when I had the Beatles one. So when I was getting into their albums, I kind of knew what order all the hits and stuff were in. And, you you know, you have a pretty good recollection. That's where one did it right. Um, I don't think 40 Licks is in order. It it might be. I don't think I ever, I didn't have it on CD. So the Beatles one was my first CD, so I, I couldn't yeah. ever listen to it on shuffle or anything. I think I had 40 licks digitally, yeah. so I would just put it on shuffle every time, so I didn't really know what era most of the stuff was from. Um, so that was really interesting, too, to like learn, like, get off my yeah. cloud, was that early? You know, yeah. things like that. So Do, Have they yeah. risen in like your personal like band rankings? Have they risen or stayed the same from listening to all of their albums in order. Oh, that's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah, because you're already a pretty big fan. Yeah, not like the hugest fan, yeah. but like I liked their music yeah. and I knew you didn't really like ever give them a chance. Yeah. So I figured it'd be a good band to talk about. Um, probably. Only yeah. in that, because this week we didn't really have to listen to any albums. Yeah. But I did find myself listening to my like my greatest hits playlist of the Rolling Stones this week. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That's maybe probably. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, they're definitely like, they definitely rose from zero. Like I actively yeah. would say that I didn't like them before that. So like, 
yeah they're de- but i still don't think i don't think they worked their way into like you know yeah a list of my favorite bands even of even of the era maybe um just like i said they've just now made some of the best music but overall it's they can write hits they're not great at albums but they can write hits yeah so you want to get into the the best keith songs the rolling stones career and you know this is not a thing we did with the beach boys boys because it wasn't necessary because they all shared lead vocal duty right and Um, even songwriting duty after uh pet sounds yeah yeah um yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting to go through because, you know, Mick is the lead singer and Ron sang a song, I think. I don't think um, he ended up singing a song ever. I mean, he sang back up. He had a one. No, he had one. All right. I th- I'm pretty sure we talked about it. I don't I don't think he did. It w- it wasn't very good. Um but like Brian Jones didn't have any songs he sang lead on, did he? Is all Mick, and then Keith had like, what, uh, some? <laughs> Keith had 19 songs that he sang lead on. The thing with the Keith lead songs, I think, that is extra intriguing, though, is just that, like, I mean, they're all credited to Jagger Richards, but I'm almost positive that every single Keith song that he sings lead on is basically all written by him so yeah um whereas the jagger richards ones that mick sings lead on because he is the lead singer uh are a majority with both of them and then some just just mick songs but it just gives the key songs an extra little i feel like piece of interest because yeah not only are they not sung by the main lead singer but it's just a completely different like songwriting and lyrical perspective than we usually get because mick also almost always writes the lyrics to the the ones he sings so i think yeah. almost 100 percent of the time so um so i made a playlist in chronological order to listen through and then also just did it on shuffle a couple times not that it quite matters but i so there's 19 of them i just marked some that i think are worth talking about i don't think they're all worth talking about um for sure especially towards the end of the career yeah he they're starping albums with like two or three keith songs on it and just only one of them is even decent so yeah um but looking at this list i already know which one the best one is so that's really interesting because i thought i did before i started and then it was there were a lot more that I liked than I thought listening to them just all by themselves with no other Rolling Stone songs around them. So, um, but let's start with interest. You got the silver, the ver- the very first one. A great song, I would say. I'm pretty sure during our Let It Bleed episode, I hated this song, but I like it now. It's solid. We, see, we kind of made fun of his voice a little bit because it sounds like he's trying to be Bob Dylan, especially on this with the yeah, yeah. being an acousticy kind of folky song. For little more. I do love that guitar. Yeah, yeah the guitar work I really do like on this song, and I definitely appreciate it more than I did originally. It's, this is up there in, in the best Keith songs conversation. Oh, for sure. This is top three, probably. Yeah. 
Um, no, but it's up there. I mean, it's, yeah, top five. We're yeah. in the conversation where if this was someone's favorite Keith song, I have no argument with that. Um, yeah, just an all-around pretty good song. The next one is Happy. Yep. Uh, like This is the best one. It's interesting how often his songs come up. Um, yeah. Like his first one was in 1968. There wasn't another one until 1972. And then like there's just some weird gaps like that where just for like four albums in a row randomly he won't have a solo song and then he'll have yeah. like four in a row. But Happy is a great song. This is probably one of his worst vocals, I gotta say. Because it's either his voice is rough because of like heroin, heroin and everything, or it's slightly out of his register. Um, but I think this one's up there in terms of songwriting, but it's it's very far down in terms of his vocal take and performance. So I, I don't know if my opinion is skewed because it's on the best rock album of all time. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> It's uh, so good. Yeah. And I just saw another one on the list, and now I'm thinking that one might be my favorite. But I'm right now I'm going to say Happy. Happy, I feel like for the horns that come up here, I feel like for the horns alone, it's in the conversation because the horn yeah. line is so good. Peter, do you remember me telling you during the Beach Boys Boys that I was a sucker whenever there were horns in a rock song? And you were like, what? That's silly. And now you kind of agree with me. Yeah, well, the Rolling Stones know how to do horns. Especially on and that's that's kind of mostly what I was referring to. I like them in that, and yeah, it's good. I'm not, like, talking about Dave Matthews or some shit. Like, Oh, man. Your favorite band. Oh, my God. Who's their guy? What's his name? Um, Or am I thinking of their violin player? They... Whoever there, they had a member of their band who died recently. Who they, was either oh. Or, I think it was their electric violinist. Maybe we should do a band neither of us like next and do Dave Matthews' band. That sounds that's like very, the worst idea. Yeah, that's very unfair to me. But. Yeah. Why well, and me? Yeah. Um, so then the very next one is Coming Down Again, which... Uh, or I mean to say it's on the very next album, Goat's Head Soup. And this one as well, I think I really didn't like when we talked about the album, but is better on its own. Mm, I think my opinion has stayed the same. This one, if I remember correctly, was really hurt by... It was like the third song on the album. So it it was really bad that this was, yeah. you know, leading off a, a record at all. You know why I think a lot of people are Rolling Stones fans? It's because they've never listened through an album. They've oh, yeah. just listened to their hits, and they're like, man, these yeah. guys don't fucking miss. Right. Which... I mean, you I can totally do that with get. a lot of bands, but yeah. That's true, but I think a lot of people who like... Like they don't realize how inconsistent even the great albums are. Exactly. I mean, and I think a lot of people our age don't really listen to albums much. It's just interesting, though, because they still have that reputation for having, like, the greatest four albums in history. 
And it's like, those are a lot of old white dudes who all they want to do is listen to rock albums from the 70s, like to full albums. So it's like, so that crowd at least thinks that those albums are all good and like totally consistent. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like there was something I liked more about the song, but I don't think there is. So we could probably skip Memory Motel. You know, this song is six minutes. Yeah, I think it uh, skipped to like two minutes left. I feel like it does get kind of better. Oh, okay. Oh, that's Memory Motel. Oh. Oh. No, it doesn't get better. I mean, this X one is kind of interesting. We can definitely skip Memory Motel. There's no way that's anyone's favorite key song. Uh, Before They Make Me Run from Some Girls. Wait, wait, wait. Let's listen to Memory Motel for what? a second. Okay, all right. It's seven minutes long. Yeah, it's so bad. God, Back in Blue fucking sucks, man. <laughs> like, bad album, yeah. terrible cover. Before They Make Me Run off of Some Girls. Um, So this is in the running for my favorite Keith song. It's good. Here's what got me into it. I started, it randomly got stuck in my head for no reason. I hadn't listened to it since I think we did the Some Girls episode. It randomly got stuck in my head like two weeks before we started the Keith playlist thing. And then when I started listening to it, his he's doing like a weird twangy voice the whole time. And I just kind of like it. Like it's a catchy melody. I like his weird voice on it. It's good. It's got, I don't know. I'm just, everything about it, I'm the, enjoying. The chorus is very, very good. Mm-hmm. It is really good. And I like on the verses how it sounds like he's doing a cowboy voice with a bunch of cotton ball stuff in his mouth. Usually people do Italian voices when they've got cotton balls in their mouth. I know. That's why he's a creative guy. That Keith Richards. Bye. Oh, yeah. How stupid is that? It's good. I don't man. think we. No, no, no. I don't think we dwelled on it enough. How his name is Keith Richards, but yeah. for the first ten albums or so, he went as Keith Richard. No, and I think it was until like the late seven, like around Some Girls. I think they started was it? doing Richards. I forget what it was. It was either here's the thing. I just I'm. It's either that his actual name is Keith Richard, and for some reason he changed it, or it's that his actual name is Keith Richards, but for no reason at all, it was more professional to be just Keith Richard. I think his real name is Keith Richards. Um, but then why? No, 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 it... no, 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 no. Oh no, yeah, his real name is Keith Richards. Yeah. Often referred to during the '60s and '70s as Keith Richard. Yeah. But... Imagine being a long, like, yeah. a fan of the Rolling Stones growing up. You're the same age as yeah. them, and then all of a sudden it's like, actually, my name is Keith Richards. Right. Because back then, you're like, shut it was the printed fuck up, on the dude. album as Richard, yeah. and then like every promotional thing and every like article written about them called him Keith Richard, and so that's just purely, you know, like. Yeah. Anyway. That's so weird. Um, we could probably get to little TNA next. Oh, this was remastered this year. Hell yeah. I think this thing just came out. Oh. Yeah, because it's, it's the anniversary of it. There was a whole fucking big yeah. thing about it. So this song, I like way more than I should. 
even though he's literally referring to his girlfriend as my tits and ass with soul. Uh, yeah. Which I, I take to mean not that she has soul, but more that she's tits and ass who is also alive. Like she's a, you know, she just is a living, well, breathing. You appreciate that because that's how you refer to your yeah. brand new bride. Instead of tits and ass. It's, yeah. The lyrics are really dumb, but I really like this song and I kind of, I think this is one of his better vocal takes, I gotta say. I think his voice sounds really good on this song. This is where I disagree. I don't. I think his voice is good on it. I agree yeah. with you on that point. I don't love this song. Yeah, that's fair. It's not a lot but to like, really. But. I don't know if I'm the kind of guy who would ever like a song called "Lil TNA." It's shameful that I do. I just find it really, ca- and I, I just really, I think I really like his voice, and I like the melody line. Yeah. So. Hey, you know, we all make mistakes sometimes. I like the song "Brown Sugar," for instance. Let's uh, let's go to Crazily. There's something off Undercover we got to talk about. Want to hold you. God, I fucking hate this album cover, too. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, okay, this is my favorite Keith song. Yeah. I You're love, being dead serious. I love Wanna Hold You so much. It is you know, a really, really good song. Um, When we were doing this uh, song, we, I was like, this sounds like something and I cannot put my finger on it. It sounds like the Grateful Dead album, In the Dark. It oh. sounds a little bit like Touch of Grey. Interesting. It was their 87 yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that to me. Like, very reminiscent. <laughs> well, maybe I wow. need to check out, yeah, more Grateful Dead. No, no, that one's a bad album. <laughs> Not even, like, Deadheads like that album. Um, so here's what hey. really sells me on Want to Hold You, is I like it. I like I like the melody and stuff, but starting at the three-minute mark, there is one of the best guitar lines I've heard on any Rolling Stone song, and I can't, well, I can believe we missed it because it was on Undercover, but... Let's skip forward to three minutes. Should get into the dead feet. It's a really great guitar line, man. And it's just like it is kind of Grateful Dead-ish. And like, jam. I mean, I think this, just because it's that clean guitar tone. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really nice little guitar line from. I'm guessing Ronald Donald would be soloing on a Keith song, but yeah, um, yeah. It's really cool. So "Wanna Hold You" is is up there with with "Before They Make Me Run" for sure. Um. We'll cover Too Rude in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's go to Can't Be Seen from Steel Wheels. I might have jumped the gun. I want to hold you, by the way. But... No. But it's just that's... really good. It's it's way better than... I, I, in a million years, would have never guessed that. 
Oh, this song fucking bops, um, dude. So this song is I again, I it makes sense we looked we overlooked it cuz it's on steel fucking wheels, but it's good. We gave Keith shit for like the quote about saving all his goods about Mick saving all his good songs for the solo albums and we're like, yeah, yeah. right, Steel Wheels blows. But this song actually is really really great. Um, this was the one we said was okay. Um and this is definitely did. like I think by far the best his voice has ever and will ever sound. I think I said that as well. Yeah, yeah. From about the like two minute fifteen mark during the chorus, he is crushing it. Like he's singing almost as basically as as good as Meg. It's crazy. Yeah, this one, this one's good. Um, and I think good. I liked it when we we did the album. Which, if we were like a bigger podcast and people made like YouTube edits of our podcast and like clipped it out, yeah, yeah. They, it would have me being like, I said I liked this album from the start. And yeah. then they would listen back and be like, it would be me talking shit about this song or something. Yeah. But no, I, I think I said this is the best Keith's voice has ever been. It's incredible. When we get to 215 ish, let's crank it. This is just an amazing 80s pop song. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, sometimes listening to the entire album clouds yeah. a good song. But this is truly, like, Steve Winwood-esque in its, like, 80s excellence. Agreed. This was the one where it was like, he sounds like David Lee Roth. He is crushing the vocal line. He's killing it. This is the most effort he's ever put into anything. Yeah, for being a guy who basically can barely hit like a half an octave range in like the mid-70s, the fact that he is singing like at that level in 1989 is really crazy. But I guess we got to maybe give him credit. Maybe he really got to it for his solo album because he knew he was going to be singing some, every song. Did did he tour off the solo album? I'm pretty sure. Okay, so maybe it was just like mm. having to record just that the, album and then tour practice. off it yeah. and having to, yeah, like because yeah. he nails this. Yeah. So, and then his other Steel Wheels song sucks, Slipping Away. It's we're, we're getting into a Keith era where all the slow songs are pretty garbage, but then we get to the worst off Voodoo Lounge. Which we Actually, liked at you the know time, what? for sure. This might have been the one where I said the, his voice is the best it's been. His voice but is great. it is very good on Can't Be Seen. No, I did not say that about this song, but it's a good song. It's, this is, this is definitely my favorite slow song from Keith. Yeah, if, if he had, and I'm sure he does, I just don't care to look into it. If he had a whole solo album of stuff that was like similar to this, yeah, yeah, I'd listen to it. And I think he does. I think it came out like three years ago. And then when the fiddle kicks in there on the chorus, yeah, it's literally the only thing that holds this back from being my favorite Keith song, like by a mile, 
is just that yeah. it was written in fucking 1994 and it's like yeah Keith we know you're not a good like we know we get it and it's just if he had had the self-awareness to write this song and have it be on like let it bleed it would have been yeah. so awesome for him in like the midst of the hero heroin era to be like I'm not a good guy and like but this beautiful slow ballad about it like it would have been really yeah. really awesome so yeah I think he was too high to be self-aware on it like genuinely yeah maybe cause yeah cause I think this is probably his best one it's just a little held back by being like I know like when you're 45 of course you know like you've been a bad guy or whatever you know so yeah um yeah and then I'll be I don't think there's more worth talking about <laughs> he has there's one on Bridges to Babylon but we'll cover it when we talk about reggae songs but otherwise yeah. he just has a lot of ballads that are not particularly great from here on out yeah so, um were there any no no that's all that's pretty much all i had to talk about cool. i didn't mean to press that again but he came out with an album called cross-eyed heart in 2015 oh yeah that everybody loved should we listen to the sure title track off of that give it a spin Guitar's really good. Yeah, really good. This Keith Richards is a talented guy. He sounds like he talks. Um, Okay. Let's listen to the single off of that album. Sure. My guess is. Not terrible. No. I mean, it's not great, but um, my guess is that on a Keith Richards solo album from 2016, yeah, um, probably pretty guitar heavy. Yeah. As far as the talent goes. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Well, so do you have? Do you have an? Are you locking in for uh, your favorite happy. Keith song? It's happy. happy. Yeah. I think mine is going to be Before They Make Me Run. Oh, really? Never would have guessed. But I got to say, like, that I, is I shocking, still don't genuinely. I still don't think I would ever listen to a Keith Richards solo album. But no, I do think no, out no. of this playlist, there is a really like an incredibly good like 10 or 12 song album of Keith songs that is as good as yeah. or almost as good as as some of the best Rolling Stones music, you know. Not that I wouldn't I guess, disagree like, with top that. Hits, but but that, like that really leads me stuff. to this question. Is there any Rolling Stone you would listen to a solo album of besides Mick Taylor? No, because Charlie's no. stuff is all jizz music, which is a which little inscrutable m- to my ears. Maybe. Yeah, That's a I mean, maybe he would me. be Charlie's the only one second. who I'd consider. Yeah. But Mick Taylor, I'd listen to a solo oh, yeah. album from him all day long. Agreed. Um... um yeah so uh, they should have let him sing a little bit more like it'd be interesting to hear him sing one of the hits 
I agree. Like it's, I mean, it, it, it's not uh, unexpected. The Stones were a very traditionalist rock band, you know, like they, they yeah. all, except for them stealing bass lines from Bill Wyman all the time, they all were pretty, you know, they all stuck to their roles. Um, and so it, it's basically par for the course that Keith would only sing ones that he really wrote completely. But I do wish, um, even though Mick's one of the, you know, great rock vocalists, I do wish like Brian Jones, even like, who knows, like maybe Mick Taylor had a terrible voice, but it just would have been interesting occasionally for, you know, other people to get, to get a shot. Yeah. Um, Cause I agree. Like, especially when Keith gets his voice together into the eighties, it's like, why not? Might as well why not? at that give point. Him a, give um, him a try it. Start me up. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have maybe killed it though. Yeah. So yeah. So now let's get into the <laughs> the best the best worst reggae track uh, by the Stones. So in a truly mind blowing turn of events, that it really feels like a what's the word for the thing like the Berenstein Bears Bernstein Bears thing? What's the phrase? Mandela effect. Mandela yeah. effect. In what can only be a Mandela effect. There are apparently on officially like on official Rolling Stones studio albums, there are only four reggae like straight up reggae tracks. There's stuff that's got like some dub influence. There's stuff like Luxury, which is a rock song but sung in fake Jamaican patois. Um, but there's only four actual reggae songs, and I I can only guess that it's because they were so scarring that it you know it made us it was like a boogeyman where it just felt like it was around every corner every time i listened to a stones album yeah and then two of them were keith songs is the crazy like two of them were late 80s keith songs where no one gave a shit about you know what he was doing anymore basically so i cannot believe that there weren't more i know i went through every album track by track like just triple checking that we didn't miss more and those are really the only four it's it's nuts there's one on like a live album that we never listened to from like the early 80s that they cover live and then that's it like there's yeah so the very first one (laughs) is off black and blue and it's one that i at the time could not stop talking about how much i loved cherry oh baby oh no this song rules Cherio Baby's interesting. It's it's really probably the only time that reggae perfectly coincides with like their attitude towards recording, just in terms of the yeah. looseness and like it's the only song on Black and Blue that is better because they are so out of it. Because this song would kind of suck if they were trying. But the fact that they're all like so slow and out of sync and they sound like they're all lying on the ground playing their instruments, it's great. This song rules. I will listen to this song over and over again. Yeah, Cherio Baby is, the, may, is pretty Maybe solid. the best song from Back in Black and Blue? think by far I, there were a couple yeah. other ones that we liked at the time but this one i mean when it's in the conversation for best rolling stones for song. 
Um, yeah, okay. Although I, at some point, they just, they take a break to yell, Irie! And uh, yeah, so that one, ridiculous. I think, automatically disqualifies this song, <laughs> I gotta say. Which I don't I think, think a bunch of white dudes, no matter the era, no matter the intent, just stopping their reggae cover song to yell Irie well, can. When can we ever talked about Black and Blue, I think I made fun of that and you said nothing about it. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> no, this song does rule, though. I genuinely. just, I do love. The laziness is so intriguing on this song. Like, it really makes it catchy that they're so laid back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's Ronald. That's my guess. It's like he's auditioning for the band, and so he's like, fuck yeah. it. No one's going to care. Like, worst, I, worst that happens Fucking is that I around this in the gig. studio. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the next one is uh, Send It To Me off... Undercover emotional again, rescue. right? Oh, emotional, uh, emotional rescue. rescue. Yep. Yeah. But again, like it's been four years since they put one on an album. Um, Bill is crushing this bass line, by the way. Let's turn it up so we can. He is, yeah. That might be the best thing I could say about this one. Yeah. How do you think Charlie felt being a jazz guy who was talked into being in a rock band? Right. And they were like, can you do an island beat? You know what, man? I think just like with everything with the Rolling Stones with Charlie, he just went, yes, I can do it. <laughs> and then just like very bored facedly did yeah. it while they were having so much fun playing white boy reggae yeah. and then he was like okay that one's over he's just like now. somebody's taking his lunch order as he's doing it yeah, yeah this song sucks um, I actually I think this one's kind of solid except that I think it's after maybe the second chorus Mick just starts I forgot about this Mick starts chanting um, and it's really, really bad. So that actually that ruins this one being the best one. Oh, you know what? I don't even think that um, "Cherry Oh Baby" is my favorite one. Now that I'm like thinking about it. No. So the next one. It- oh, go ahead. This isn't a bad song. I just like. I, I wish it was kind of recorded in the same way as uh, Cherry, um, where it was like lazier, you know, yeah. like you were saying. The um, the guitar's actually pretty good. Yeah. Here, uh, so th- I'm gonna... all of all of the instrumentals are actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, so I sent you a YouTube link. So we never actually talked about this on Tattoo You, but supposedly the original version of uh, Start Me Up was a reggae song called Never Stop. So I figured that merits inclusion here. Mm-hmm. 
not particularly reggae. No. It's just kind of slowed down. Maybe. No. I mean, maybe when I it could, gets into the chorus. Yeah, maybe. I'm like, I could see how they got here from a reggae song, but like the drums and the rhythm of it is just definitely not. Here we go. I wouldn't call this reggae. No, not at all. Either someone on YouTube is pulling our leg, or uh, there's no actual real reggae version. To be fair, reggae is in quotes in the title of this YouTube video. True. Well, right. let's get to the actual next <laughs> released one. Uh, off, of course, Dirty Work, Too Rude. Bass is kind of good I'll... again. Yeah. I mean, Bill feels that island spirit. That's right. Bill is Do the one that have... I can most likely see wearing that, like, fake dreadlock hat. Yeah. Oh, it's this one. Yeah. yeah this song's really bad. Yeah. Um, Do you think they felt connected to the island spirit because they themselves grew up on an island that is the United Kingdom? I mean, yes. I think that's exactly it. I mean, look, man, when they became a blues band because they felt connected to the struggle of slavery, then you know they can yeah. stretch to feel connection to a, to a different culture. Uh, this song fucking blows, and I yeah. don't want to listen anymore. Let's get anymore, to the but... last one off Bridges to Babylon. You don't have to mean it. I'm gonna say the song fucking rules. Yeah, this is by far the best one, and it's also one of Keith's best songs. True. Like, we skipped over it, obviously, up top to talk about it here, but I think this is in the top few best Keith songs. Yeah. This was the one that I was actually talking about, how oh, good yeah. his voice is on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, this song is the only outright of a reggae song uh, that they did. It's good. It is very good. I think it easily takes the takes the gig. Yeah. So if you had to rate them, I imagine exactly how you would rate them would be... Um, sorry, give me one second. I mean, you would fully go, you don't have to mean it, Cherry, yep. send it to me, too rude. Yep. Okay. Yeah. A point of contention. Okay. You don't think this is reggae? No, I don't. I don't either. Yeah. It's just on a playlist. Um, I did a lot of this, man. There's a lot of like reggae influence songs, you know. There's do you think it just one. felt? There's a. Do you think it luxury. just felt like there were so many that because we just kept making fun of it so much? I think because, like I said, like I think we were so scarred by it, so we and yeah. so it just kept coming up and like 
But yeah, it really does. It was amazing to me that the first one was in 1975, and then there wasn't another one until 1979, and then there wasn't another one until like 1986. Like it's crazy how many actual gaps yeah. there were. Like there was really only one. Yeah, and then the the last one wasn't until 1997. Like, yeah, um, that is crazy. But I mean. What's funny, too, is that once we go through all them, three of them are, like, not terrible songs. <laughs> only one yeah. of them. Only, only one of them is, is outright terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well. Um, huh. Do we want to take a quick break to the beautiful sounds of Hey Negrita <laughs> and, uh, and come back and talk about some cover songs and then our overall album ratings? Let's do it. All right. And we will be right back after this. Welcome back to the Rolling Stones. It's the last time I'm ever going to say that, PJ. That's true. Yeah, which kind of brings up the next not topic, but we still don't have a next we band. We still don't. And you know how many suggestions we've gotten? Two shitty ones from some. Um, more than two. Oh, okay. Actually, um, let let you know what. Let me head on over to Twitter. I sent out a tweet from the. Uh, Beach Boys Boys slash Rolling Stone Studs Twitter account. And I said, what's the next band we should talk about? It basically boils down to that. And what are what people said was Um some guy uh, I I I don't know if he listens, but like why the fuck would he follow us on Twitter if he didn't listen? Uh he said Deep Purple or Black Sabbath. Um which are two really not to say i don't like deep purple or black sabbath but black sabbath has what two three good albums maybe uh i think black sabbath is at least making interesting music through like 1979 um and then they have a very interesting career for sure but there's a lot of black sabbath podcasts already so that's pretty much out the window Oh, I also do not like them after Dio takes over. Right. Um, and also their first, like, four albums suck, I think. Um, and then a uh, friend of the show, Paul, said Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass, which would be very funny. It would be something. It would be interesting. Um, and then uh, a podcast by the name of Nostalgia Entertainment System, Um said we should cover You Stink, which is from a, a an episode of Arthur from PBS. Got it. And then a gentleman on Twitter, at Mr. Moccasin, said, clearly the Beach Boys represent water and the Rolling Stones represent Earth, so for air, you should probably do Jefferson Airplane. And I fucking hope they're proud of themselves. Um, it's a funny idea. 
I don't know if I quite agree that. Oh, I mean, I get it because of the band name. I was literally thinking like, hmm, is that band Airy? Like, <laughs> um, you were you were on board until you were like, I don't know. If until Jefferson it was a dumb Airplane. pun. But now I get it even more because Rolling Stones. So like, Earth, Earth. Yeah, I'm really yeah. stupid. But I think it's a funny idea. But we'll come. You know what? Look, we're probably gonna take a little break while we figure it out and like start recording new episodes. But we promise we will be back in your ears very soon. Yeah. Uh, so do not fret. Go back and listen to some of the best of your favorite Beach Boys Boys episodes, some of your favorite Rolling Stones episodes, and uh, you know just keep listening to music, man. Yeah. Um. So lame. Just but keep listening to good rock and roll music. Here on 79.9. That's not a real radio station, you see. It's too low. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe for you. Um So, another thing we we're going to talk about, two things. We we're going to talk about really good Stones covers. Yeah. And then we were going to talk about what Stones tattoo we we're going to get. Oh my god. I don't think that's an on-air conversation. I think it might be Pete. Um, Let's start with so, the cover songs. Okay. Um, I don't think Pete came with any. Uh, just um, like the Beach Boys boys. Well, um, I don't even know if we talked about it before the episode there, but I just forgot this time. So. so the first one I have is a cover. It's not off an album. It's a band called Rival Sons. Are you familiar? No. Um, they have a dude who's got the worst facial hair in the world, but a fucking killer voice. Um, and they did this thing uh, with the Blues Kitchen, which is like a YouTube channel. Um, and they cover Wild Horses, and it's really quite nice. And I know there's a million covers of Wild Horses, but this one's the best one. All right. Yeah. I will also say the man singing is also the one playing slide guitar, which like blows my mind. Yeah, that's impressive. He's fucking awesome. There's one Are guy you, in this band who has like a waxed handlebar mustache. The that lead is singer, not the guy who I think has the worst. Yeah, facial the lead hair. singer either has mutton chops, a beard, or is clean shaven, but like. He also, like, in a few pictures, has, like, really terrible slicked-back hair. And then there's one guy with, like, a, a full-on, like, dirtbag handlebar mustache with a little soul yeah. patch. Like, Frank Zappa, but if he was a white supremacist kind of look. <laughs> um, yeah, this is very good. It's really good, right? And they're just recording it in a bar, like... It looks like they have one microphone set up. Yeah, it's really good. And I wish they didn't... I wish the lead singer didn't look like such an asshole because he is, like, a really, really good musician. He looks like Jack White's, like, 
Um, like Jack Cousin? Little brother or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, there's... I've had the opposite on things where I think some people look cool, and then I'm like, oh, but they're also, like, the worst person. Yeah. So, like, um, the guy from the Eagles of Death Metal who, um, yeah. you know... He, who is a white supremacist? Has, is he a white supremacist? There's... No, I'm thinking of Queens of the Stone Age. One of yeah. the members of Queens of the Stone Age went, like, super hardcore Trump, and the rest of the band had to, like apologize for him existing <laughs> like oh yeah. that's like what happened with mumford and sons cool. remember that oh, i did not know that that, that happened with them oh this was like god i gotta stop watching f- ted lasso a few months ago really um yeah and he uh he uh it was the banjo player who this is a similar thing is the coolest looking dude in that band yeah. like if you wanted to have a beer with a guy in that band it's a banjo player but he like tweeted about this alt-right author and he was like i'm so proud that you're so brave to say this stuff and i was like yikes which it's like since when do british people care about politics um um yeah so the eagles of death metal the guy who i'm thinking of is fucking josh not josh homie Hom, hom. I've never known how to pronounce it. Josh Home. I think it's Home, yeah. but I don't actually yeah. know for sure. Um, Jesse Hughes. He, yeah. he like he's got such mm. a cool vibe and look about yes. him. But then like after the, because they were the band that got shot up in Paris. Yes. Um, in that huge mass shooting. But like a year later, he tweeted about his like support of gun rights and like a bunch of weird shit, and no. people were like, huh. This guy's a douche. I think it was more than that, yeah, because, like, they were both... I mean, like, they're both a little bit, like, country boys, and that's kind of been their thing. I think they're from, like, Palm Springs, which is not, like, a real redneck town, but but I, they've always kind of had, like, a country boy thing about them. But, yeah, yeah, the one guy just went fully, like... It was... I feel like it was more than that. It was, you know, oh, further, he blamed like, crazy right Islam liberal values and yeah. french gun control for the shooting yeah it's like it got really not cool really fast yeah so um what's our next song cover song? wait wait oh, go ahead. i just want to wait sorry I, oh yeah sure. i wouldn't have there's just a part where he goes like up and it's so nice sure now let's do Fucking rules, man. Yeah, that's sick. Oh, I just needed to hear that. That song, yeah. phenomenal. Um, we're gonna change change up the vibe here a little bit with a band called uh, Buckwheat Zydeco. Nice. Um, I I'm assuming you can assume. Uh, guess what kind of cover it is. Right? You're like, what the fuck is this? But then it gets into it, and it's good. I'll never be your beat of foot. 
Almost better than Tom Waits cover. <laughs> yeah, almost. Tom still leads that race. Right I love this. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Um, and I, I'm not like a big Zydeco guy, Zydeco, um, but I love this song. It's very good. I guess we kind of actually did. I was thinking, I was trying to remember if we talked about, we talked about some covers from the time with them. So, because that's for Wild Horses, there was a Flying Burritos brother, right? Flying Burrito Brothers Fly. version, and um, the LaBelle, the Patty LaBelle one, which was fucking right. wild. So, which yeah. the next. The next song I have is kind of in line with that. Nice. I did not know it existed until maybe two months ago, and I listened to it, and I was so shocked I'd never heard it before. I want you to guess who this is. Oh, yeah. I was hoping it was this. Yeah. This I'd never heard this before. I had a long time ago. It's Otis Redding. Yeah. I gotta say, I actually don't think it's that great, but it's no, cool but it's just it crazy that Otis Redding covered. Th- I didn't know that. I feel like he also um, covered maybe a Beatles song or two. Like he did a oh yeah, I forget what song. Maybe Help or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, he did this one. Hey Jude. Oh yeah, Hey Jude. Maybe. I think. Oh wait, no. What am I thinking? Did he do? Who did Hey Jude? Yeah, he did. He did. Hey Jude with um, no, that was Wilson Pickett. Sorry, oh, yeah, I'm right. getting with confused. Dwayne Allman. But yeah, yeah. Um, he did Day Tripper. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I also don't think this cover is very good, and I love Otis Redding. I was just blown away. I'd never heard it before. Yeah. And then um, the next one, I think you'll appreciate quite a bit. This is, um, speaking of Mr. Dwayne Allman, this is You Got the Silver by Susan Tedeschi. Oh, yeah. Featuring Mr. Derek Trucks himself. Hell yeah. And I really love Tedeschi Trucks Band. This was before they were Tedeschi Trucks Band, I think. Oh, okay. This is just on a Susan Tedeschi album. Yeah. Um, but I really love her voice, and I love Derek Trucks' guitar playing. Derek Trucks is a badass. He's probably also like a racist guy, but he's a I, fantastic I think, guitar player. I don't think he is. I think he's oh, really? cool. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Is Derek um, Trucks, remind me, is Derek Trucks the guy who started playing with the Allman Brothers when he was like 10 years old? Yeah, yeah, when he was not, because his so his uncle was the drummer. Yeah, yeah, because he um, yeah he was on like Eric Clapton's Crossroads DVD that I watched when I was a kid when he was like yeah. literally twelve up on stage with the Allman Brothers and like just fucking crushing the slide ripping guitar. them apart. Yeah. yeah, he's my here it is. Um, he's ridiculous. He's so good. and Dwayne Allman is obviously my first favorite slide guitar player. Yeah. 
it's a second place for like I don't know if I like him or Mick Taylor better. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but they're both up there. That's top three. Yeah. This is pretty great. But those are just some uh, Stones covers. I know there are like so oh, yeah. many more. I just don't really care about most of them. It feels like the Stones are in a place where, like, if you are a roots rock band, you just gotta cover a Stone song during your set, you know? Yeah. Because like, there's oh, too yeah. many easy, like, soul country adjacent tunes. Um, yeah. Like, if you got a, a voice that can belt and like a good guitar, like mandolin or fiddle player, like you can do a yeah. really great cover of a Rolling Stone song. Speaking of which, uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band. Uh, when they play live with yeah. the Wood Brothers, they do um, Sweet Virginia, oh, and yeah. it's good. Nice. It's very good. Wait, we never talked about that one asshole who covered Sweet Virginia. Stole it. I genuinely don't know yeah, what you're talking about. I don't know about. what I'm talking about either. It's the guy. Fuck, we talked about it on the episode. Are you talking about Towns Van Zandt? Yeah. He, he did... Uh, Dead Flowers. Oh, right. Oh, shit. He How did I not play that song? Okay, I'm misremembering, though. Didn't he write that song, or no? No. Oh, for some reason, I thought he wrote it. So that was my joke, is that his version was stealing it from the... I thought he wrote it, but they recorded it first. But I must be mixing it up with something else. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Never mind, then. Never mind. Um, and then, obviously, the best Stones cover that I forgot about, Dead Flowers by Towns Van Zandt. Although I much prefer the Rolling Stones one, but as we've talked about with a lot of covers, even if the original is not that great, the original is almost always better. I, for the most part, I agree with you. Yeah. I do. I think any of these songs I've played for you are a better version. Maybe Wild Horses. Um, yeah, possibly. Because it's a really Just, good. He's got cover. such a great voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of the rest of them are better, but I think they are great covers. What about um, the original, to me, Rolling Stones cover, a song that I did not realize was a Rolling Stones cover for the first oh, yes. five years that I knew it existed? David Bowie's Let's Spend the Night Together, sung by, really it's sung by Aladdin saying, That's true. Let's be, let's be real. We just need to give credit where credit is due. Um... This was the one that made me think we should do covers on this one because I had a list of covers mm. of Stone songs that I like. And I was like, I know Peter knows at least one. Yeah. Um, it's very funny that you did not know this was a cover because years, I... For years, I thought this was I'm just gonna a cool say, David Bowie song. It's a great David Bowie song. I think I like the original better. Yeah. I, I mean, it helps that I started with this version... I thought this version was better for a long time until this podcast, really. Um, and then Let's Spend the Night Together, I think is still is one of the like top ten Rolling Stone songs, maybe. It's freaking fantastic. But I gotta say, this is I'd say this is equal. It's so different. It's different enough to where it doesn't get like uh, it's not a shitty cover. I will never say that. It's not like Weezer covering Toto. Yeah. Not Rosanna. Rosanna rules, but them covering Africa sucks. Um, it's not like that where it's just like a beat-for-beat beat thing. He did his own thing, which I always appreciate with a cover. Mm-hmm. I think what I liked about this, or what I like about this version, is the both edginess. It feels like what a Rolling Stones cover should be. 
which is that you yeah. take a song written by misogynistic white dudes, basically, that's either about boning or about how you're so mean to them when you don't bone them or whatever, you know, like, yeah. and you twist it. And, like, David Bowie, especially, I would say, in this era, has enough of an edge that, like, he makes this song menacing, which it definitely wasn't on um, Between the Buttons. Like, it was a very Beach Boys kind of nice boy tune about, you know, fucking still, for sure. But yeah, it was definitely the Rolling Stones still in a little bit of a good boy behavior. And uh, he gives it an edge, and then also he gives it a gay edge, which is awesome. And part of the reason that it works so much, I think, um, yes, and is that he's can I, like flipping the script on it. That's true. Can speaking of gayness, uh, Mick Mick Jagger, mm-hmm. David Bowie, and um, a cover. We never looked through Dancing in the Street. Um, oh yeah, which came out in 1985 for like Farm Aid or Live Aid or something. Before we I'm move sh- on, I want to yeah. wait till we get to the breakdown and let's spend the night together. It was the end of the song, my friend. There's a breakdown in it. We that was the end of the song. Well, go back. Okay, fine. I'll Do it. Back. Do it. That's me doing the song, not doing, not screaming at you to do it. Before or after? Let me look. They said we were too young Our kind of love was no fun But our love comes from above Let's make love This part? Yeah Yeah, I just loved and loved as like a, you know, 15-year-old kid discovering that, you know, gay people could rock, basically Um, Yeah Bisexual, (laughs) thank you Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you're right. But the whole, like, do it. Let's make love. I don't know. It's great. Yeah. It's really nice, man. It's a very, like, Rocky Horror-esque, you know, approach to, to fucking in the 70s. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to share my screen with you. Okay. Oh, yeah, and Dancing we in the Street. Ke- we'll do it beat by beat. <laughs> sure. Dancing in the Street. Okay. Okay, some Reeboks. Love it. There's a there's a white brick wall and a man in Reebok. That's all we know. <laughs> Mick Jagger is wearing a very neon or like yeah. He showed the wardrobe person the cover of Dirty Work and was like, "Just make me look like this again, I guess." Yeah. It's a lot of bright primary colors. Oh hell yeah. They're like in a warehouse. Yeah. What's sad is that this is a terrible cover of a classic R&B song. Yeah. And it's they just they really mangle it for being two of the great singers of all time. Great singers, great frontmen, who have been known to dance on stage quite a bit, cannot dance a lick in this video. Yeah, David. David Bowie's got like a knee-length trench coat, but it's. It's maybe the floppiest trench coat I've ever seen. It oh. looks like it's made out of paper. It's just like yeah. flopping around so much. 
They also do this thing where they go face to face a lot yes. and too close. Yeah, I can see why. Like they're about to kiss. They were apparently fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Or that they had sex once is the rumor, right? Yeah. And then Angie caught them. Angie. Angie. Mick Jagger just took a break to like drink a beer or a soda yeah. or something, which is very funny. Oh man, Mick! I didn't realize oh. Mick had such a mullet. Only this year, I feel like. Maybe. You don't see many pictures say, though, of him like this. Aside from his insane coat, David Bowie looks really good. Oh, he looks good. I mean, Holy he, shit, looks he just popped out of nowhere. Fantastic. Um. Mick's shirt also it's so loose and it's also got like these giant safari pockets on the front but they basically go from like his his neck bone down to the waist of his pants they are such yeah. big pockets and it's, 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 it's like neck bone to belly shirt. button so yeah. it's so loose it's ridiculous they actually appear to be both wearing just 100% silk outfits like that's why they're so yeah. flowy and like thin and loose oh god Oh, now they're kind of doing a choreographed dance, but it's not good. No, it's like they were like, hey, can you guys choreograph a dance together? Because we don't know yeah. anyone who can do this on set. Christ. Well, um, I guess I don't regret having ever seen that before. I don't know. I'm definitely not better off. Although I guess I'm better off in that I got a little David Bowie in my day. So That's true. Hey, you know, we could do Bowie next. That's kind of similar to what we've been doing, but... Yeah. How how many Bowie podcasts are there already? It's a great question. You know, some artists there aren't and it's very interesting. Like uh Fleetwood Mac came up in conversation mm. and I was especially cuz they've been really like popular for the last few years now with, you know, yeah. young kids. And uh I was surprised there were zero Fleetwood Mac podcasts out there. So I would have thought some, you know, some Gen Zer at this point would have started a at least a Stevie Nicks podcast or something, but yeah, it um, is crazy that we got on the scene and nobody had a Beach Boys podcast either, though. So. Well, that was one fuckers, but no, I'm pretty sure we were first. I, I actually do think I forget because it was several years ago, but I think they had been. They did not release episodes. They don't release them that often now. Like they usually, it's like one a month or something. But I think they had also been on a few months hiatus at that point. So we were like, this show might not exist anymore. So we might be the only active Beach Boys podcast. But then yeah. they kept releasing episodes. So It looks like there are about 20 David Bowie podcasts. Yeah, that makes sense, but it's disappointing. So let's, um, let's get to our album ratings. Yes, sir. So overall, through the entire entirety of the Rolling Stones career, the top albums, the highest ranks... PJ gave two tens to Exile on Main Street and Sticky Fingers. Ten out of ten, baby. D- Damn straight, I did. My highest ranked album was Exile that I gave a nine out of ten to. Is there anything you'd like to change about any of your ratings? Maybe bump that up one? Or... No. Um, no, I probably was a little... No, actually, like, Let It Bleed might be the only like classic era one that I would bump up. Um, I still think sticky fingers is insanely inconsistent. I actually tried to listen to the whole thing a few days ago and ended up skipping like 
four or five songs um that are just not that good um Hmm. and then yeah let it bleed i gave a seven two actually like maybe eight but i definitely wouldn't put it up more than that and then Mm. i'm curious about um but then it's like anything else like aftermath and between the buttons were super inconsistent and i only really love them when you combine like the u.s and uk versions um right and and then you know post their golden run i think most of my ratings are fair because i kind of overrated if anything it's only rock and roll and goat's head soup and then everything else i think is a pretty fair like four out of ten so anyway yeah um so no uh bottom of the bin we both gave dirty work the only one out of ten in their whole career which actually is a little bit it seems like maybe there should have been others but it makes sense in that it's it's definitely the worst one uh oh although it does feel like potentially so here's the two out of ten so we could see if any of these get knocked down we both gave two out of ten to Steel Wheels, which actually could be a three, but whatever. Black and Blue, which could be a one, but it it had a couple good songs on it. Um, Not as bad as Undercover. Yeah, and then uh, a bigger bang, two out of ten, which I think is fair. And then yeah. just me, I gave Tattoo You, um, Rolling Stones number two, and the Rolling Stones self titled twos out of ten, but you all ranked them higher. Okay. So our average. I'd probably give them one higher. Yeah. Yeah, probably like three or four. Our average rating ended up being you got a 4.85, which five. Um, Whoa. So yours was a five out of 10. And then mine was a four and a half out of 10, which I don't, I don't know. I think that goes to five. I don't know if we round round that up or down. So what was interesting about that is that I was then i thought oh we should do the median like you do with home prices um because i was thinking i actually don't think this works mathematically but i was thinking you probably gave more albums a higher rating so your median would be higher i think that's how medians work i'm showing my ass on math here but our medians were the exact same so they were four Mm. like four and a half out of ten or i mean it's not a half because a median is the one in the middle yeah exactly so huh so not very good i'm i feel like that's That's, what happened with the beach boys too that's exactly what happened with the beach boys we both got five out of ten yeah and it's like but you're like there were a lot of like we did a lot of sevens and eights and tens and like with the beach boys i had like two or three ten out of tens but the really bad but those ones la miu well and the beach boys had a little less album they had less albums past like the mid 70s um but with the rolling stones i think that's what really hurt them is it's like if they had just released like only one or two a decade through the 80s and you know then it probably would have would have helped but yeah it was a rough one wow i i expected it to be higher if i'm being honest i kind of agree especially yours i was expecting you to come out as like a six or a seven out of ten I did like too. I said every like I gave a lot of twos that you gave higher scores to but it was not actually that much higher um at the end of the day for your average so that's interesting and it's interesting that it was lower than five yeah that it was 4.8 or whatever 
I think we gave a lot of like threes in the early days and like in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. So yeah. So PJ, huh. what were, what are your thoughts on the Rolling Stones from tip to tail? Any overarching elements in their career that you've, that you have noticed that intrigue you? Their career is like a bell curve. <laughs> um, starts out very, very slowly, mm-hmm. gets pretty good. Then there's this golden era where they can right. do no wrong. And then it slowly gets worse. And then maybe there's a few outliers at the end. Right. But really, everything surrounding that, or like that golden era, yeah. obviously their best era. And then everything surrounding that on either side is like kind of their middle era. Yeah. And then, like at least you solid. Know, yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, like the n- newest stuff isn't the best and the oldest, like their oldest stuff isn't the best. Yeah. I will say, and I said it earlier, these fuckers know how to write a hit. Um, they. I think so. <laughs> if you just look at their hits, it's amazing how yeah. many, like, I mean, they could probably stop touring and still make millions a year just on, like, their songs being used in movies right. and just, you know, played on the radio 40 times a day. Yeah. But they are, I would say, inconsistent. Um, it's kind yeah. of the same thing with the Beach Boys, where Beach Boys knew how to write a hit. That's for damn sure. After a while, they didn't know how to write an album. Yeah. Neither did the Rolling Stones. So I think in that way, they are very similar. Um, where it's like, you know, they did end up being kind of the same rating from us overall. Yeah. But like, let's say we did the Beatles albums. That would be higher. I can guarantee it. Yeah. They have... No albums I would rate a 1 out of 10, probably. Yeah. So it's just interesting that, you know, if you if you go down the ladder a little bit, it, I don't know, becomes... Yeah. I think, and they both have these crazy long careers. Yeah. And I think that drags people down. If we did Led Zeppelin, guarantee it would also be higher. And it's not because they're... I mean, they are a better band than these two bands. So are the Beatles. But it's because they had a short career. Yeah. A very short... the time to get bad yeah yeah the stones the stones are an interesting one where so for the beach boys though a lot of their bad music came from either fulfilling a record contract or they would make an album because they were all out of money because they were all really terrible with their money right but the rolling stones after like the early 70s when they hired duke what's his name to do their finances like they were set and i know like they like we talked a couple times about them putting out albums just to go on a tour or like to go on tour or being annoyed about not going on tour because they didn't make that much money or something but it's like they they were fine they would they did not need to be churning out albums yeah in a way that and also like in especially in the late late 80s you can just like they their passion is so gone and it's just very odd to me that they it feels like about half of the albums after black and blue just should not exist because they just clearly didn't care that much and they're also just not that good and you you would think i guess you they would realize that but one of the overarching elements that i feel like i learned about the rolling stones is i don't they're incredibly talented 
musicians and songwriters, but I think the songs, well, I think everything, I don't know that they know how to do any of it. Like, I don't think they could teach someone, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Keith, and this is true for a lot of rock bands, but like, I don't think Keith could teach someone how to play guitar. I don't think Mick could like teach someone how to write lyrics or whatever. Like, I don't think they could teach how to write a song. I don't think they really have any idea. They just like fuck around enough until it comes to them, which is fine. It works for a lot of bands. You too famously like has some of the biggest hits of all time and they famously just like literally jam in the studio together until a song appears out of nowhere and so i just wish you would stop fucking talking about you too man <laughs> so it's okay but it just it also then makes the low stuff like so predictably bad because they don't have like a formula except for the blues to fall back on but even in the 80s they kind of forgot about that um, so they wouldn't even fall back on doing some blues songs. Um, yeah. Whereas a band like the Beach Boys at least has this kind of formula to fall back on of like we are going to do like a catchy pop melody with these crazy vocal uh, harmonies and everything. And like, so even if the songs are bad and a lot of those songs are fucking terrible, but they at least like had this like kind of consistency throughout and this thing that they would go back to over and over again that the Rolling Stones don't. And I think I think that's maybe a little why I still don't consider them to be like that great of a band. Because it sounds a little harsh. I'm not meaning it to be quite this harsh, but it feels a little bit like they lucked into a lot of the success they had. Like they were just everything just kind of came together for them in the right way. Um in you know that late 60s 70s period yeah i think i know what you're talking about i don't know if i necessarily agree with it but one thing you touched on is like half the albums of uh, half the albums after black and blue shouldn't exist and i if you're the rolling stones and you have hit after hit after hit they what what do they play 15 songs at a concert, 20 songs at a concert maybe. Yeah. They have enough to fill a concert. Right. Why are you needing to put out albums to tour on? Yeah. You're the Rolling Stones. People are going to buy tickets to your concerts. Yeah. But like if they if they had saved a lot of that stuff for the albums, like you know, we make the compilations from certain eras. Yeah. I think we could have put a could have put together like a hell of an album after Black and Blue. Yeah. If we just picked songs from those albums. And if they had done that, like maybe put out one or two really fucking killer albums. Yeah. I think that would have looked so good on them. Yeah. Well, and it's... And I don't know why they felt the need to put those Yeah, exactly. Because they like... it, It clearly felt like they did not have a passion for like putting out Rolling Stones music by the time like Undercover exist right and so you know i don't know like so um is there a single period maybe aside from the like 19 like 69 to 72 era 
because um, that seems like an obvious one. But is there a single period of the band that you would say is your second, let's say, second favorite? I would say just before that. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I would agree. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of things from that where it's like, like, because uh, I think we did compilations for that. Yeah, like, for like, I was thinking it's like Between the Buttons, Aftermath, and then Her Majesty's Request, whatever. Um, her Satanic Yeah, Majesty. her, like, what I would call their, like, art slash psychedelic era. Um, and it's pretty good. Yeah, like, I think that's, we kind of talked about it at the time, but, like, that's a style of, that's a look on the Rolling Stones that I wish they'd went back to at some point like maybe they were floundering around in the late 70s it's like how about trying to be like arty and weird and out there again not in which we we heard a little bit on like voodoo lounge true yeah we heard a little bit like of goat's head soup they like got back to that kind of stuff a little bit yeah and those ones were great once they really found the like (laughs) i just said they don't have a formula to fall back on but once they kind of found the thing of like of their main success being like this kind of roots blues rock country stuff is like what people love us for. Then yeah. um, it felt like anything before that, it kind of feels like still they're like not that into that version of themselves. Like they, I, it, I mean, I don't, I'm not looking at a lot of Rolling Stones set lists, but um, I get the vibe that they're more into like even like tattoo you than, yeah between the buttons like they they'd rather remember that album than between yeah the they buttons. don't they don't lean into that era yeah. that much it seems i mean even when we did look at that one set list there wasn't a whole hell of a lot from that era yeah. there was a lot from their golden era and a lot and a from, lot from like the 1964 five like satisfaction yeah get off my cloud that kind of yeah yeah um if someone like me <laughs> had never listened to the rolling stones before uh where would you point them and let's say maybe they'd heard like Exile or Let It Bleed or something. So they've heard like a couple of the great albums and they're like, yeah, they're pretty good. Where should I go next? What what album or era would you point them toward? Would it be the same as the last question? Probably. And then I might, like if they really loved Exile, yeah. Um, I would say maybe start not right at the beginning, but just after, like, when they kind of, like, hmm. get the vibe going a little bit. Like, yeah. not the first two albums, but after that, maybe try that. Yeah, um, true. That's a good point. And then, yeah. and then the the newest one with all the blues covers. Yeah. Um, I would maybe point them in that direction because that's pretty good. I enjoyed that album. Yeah. Um, but probably, I mean... You know, I would probably, it'd probably be a longer discussion than like, check this out. I guess it does. Yeah. The Rolling Stones have had enough kind of different looks that it does kind of depend on the person. Cause like, especially on Between the Buttons, we talked about like, oh, this is a very like 2010s, 2010s hipster, like version of the Rolling Stones. Where it's like, I could absolutely see, uh, like kind of a more nerdy, uh, Wes Anderson loving (laughs) kid loving between the buttons but like really despising exile or something you know like being really into that like kind of hushed weird psychedelic version of the stones yeah well and i totally get people Um, being into that but i do not understand people who are not into exile i mean yeah but you know i yeah i i I know what you're saying but like 
I truly, when I went back to edit that episode where we talked yeah. about that one, that one blogger who blogger, was like, yeah. I was like, how are you how the hell? this stupid? Yeah. Like, what music do you listen to otherwise? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I would point people toward, kind of like the Beach Boys, I think their stuff right after their, like, greatest era is worth checking out. Like, you know, if you really love, if you don't know them that well, obviously, you know, you'd point them toward like exile and stuff. But if they like know the greatest hits, they kind of know exile and sticky fingers or whatever. I think I would definitely point them toward goat's head soup and it's only rock and roll. Cause fully just like pointing people towards like wild honey for the beach boys where it's like, look, this is like, cause it's right after the great, like the huge stuff people forgot about it, but it's just as good basically. Um, it's very good in in like a slightly different way. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's an underappreciated part of their career for sure. Um, yeah, the Rolling Stones, man. I'm, uh, yeah, it, I guess I'm a fascinating I'm band. I'm glad for I've sure. heard all of, I'm glad I've heard everything. Yeah. It, yeah. I guess. I did it, realize it, I was like I've I definitely have committed less of my iTunes space to their albums than the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys yeah, actually but, might have everything that was actually released. Like some of their like weird late 80s stuff has never been re-released. It was only on CD. I, I will say that you also when we were doing the Beach Boys boys, we did it in person and you were in charge of playing the music as well. Oh true. So I would have had to physically remove the albums from my iTunes after downloading them. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've never had to add these. That's to a possibility. Anything, yeah. So. For these, I just listen to them on Spotify, and then if they, you know, make the cut, then I download them. So. Yeah. But. Well, that has Pete, been. The beat. The, the Rolling the Stones. Stone studs. Yeah. Um, Inarguably. Once again, if if you have any ideas of bands you want us to cover, um please email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com. Um, we're not sure yet uh, what we're going to cover, but we'll probably send out a tweet. Um, sure. And then, you know, we'll post in the same RSS feed <laughs> like we did last time. So Yeah, exactly. It'll be the Beach Boys Boys present, you know, yeah, whatever new property we have. Whomever. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for listening. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Keep reaching out. Email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com about anything. We'll get to all the listener mail, obviously, when we come back. Yeah. Uh, and we'll respond uh, to you in the meantime. Right. And hopefully the break won't be that long. Yeah. I know Pete's got some stuff going on. I'm getting free a divorce, all the time. Man, already. It's been like a month <sighs> yeah, and we just fucking hate each other. It's crazy. Well, you keep. You keep playing a Rolling Stones yeah. from the late eighties. Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones caused my divorce. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, sorry. Let me get a song queued up. I'm getting emotional. I know. I just don't know how to end it. I know. I'm not, like it's tough. I mean, we never really knew how to end this show because we just what would we say? Uh, just we'll see you on the other side of that stone. <laughs> yeah. The stone's no longer rolling. Actually, that's what we're... The stone has fallen over and it is definitively gathering moss. And maybe we'll talk about Mick Jagger, Keith Richards when they die inevitably in the next few Probably. years. Probably. Um, we'll cover it when we're 
way in the future being the Black Keys kids. That's right. <laughs> when they're a classic rock band. Yeah. Well, PJ, let's go out on a quick a pop quiz. Top of your head, no thinking. Favorite Rolling Stones song? Oh. Right now. This one. Sweet Virginia. Sweet Virginia, I think. I'm going Tumbling Dice. Oh, fuck. Your, your choice is way better. We'll see y'all next Tumbling time. Tumbling Dice is so good. Take her easy. And PJ, the Traveling Wilburys, it's too many dudes in that band. It's a freaking sausage fest in there. I, so, if you had to come up with a band. <laughs> there should be a female Traveling Wilburys, a right? Female, a female, a lady, yeah. a lady super group. The, the female the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, yeah. it's like the in college sports, the, yeah. the, <laughs> the women's team is just the lady whatever, yeah. yeah. Exactly. The Lady Wilburys. Obvious. So well. So drums, first of all, you gotta have Meg. You, you gotta, gotta have Meg White. Meg White. On drums. <laughs> who else? I mean, okay, who you else have Meg besides White, her? Uh, Kim Carnes. <laughs> Lead vocals. Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes. Yeah. Kim Gordon. Another Kim. <laughs> there you go. Two Sonic Kims. You got have two. And then on guitar, who do you have as the lead guitar player? maybe let's saint just go vincent. look we gotta have yeah pure talent saint vincent <laughs> yeah <laughs> the best thing you know the oh my god i cannot even what imagine the, what that music would sound like 
Well, what's the thing about the Traveling Wilburys is they were all great singer-songwriters. That was their oh, was whole that thing. the thing? I thought they were just trying and to get the is... best person who played each instrument in the band. Yeah, well, that's what we're Which doing clearly, here, yeah, man. would be Meg White, Kim Carnes, Kim <laughs> Just imagine St. Yeah. Vincent like going fucking crazy on like a wild, like compressed, um, distorted guitar solo while Meg White's just going like... Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. And then I don't and know, does Kim, Kim Carnes know more songs than Betty Davis eyes? It might be just no. that over the top. She learned the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. A Beach Boys Boys production.